You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. We can do that. Well, we ran a couple minutes over on this one. Um, so. James. Yeah. I know, I know. Well, so all we need is Ms. Jillian back, who said she went to make a phone call. I'm here. Okay, Jillian, okay. what we're going to do, because yep. James has a hard stop at 10, we're okay. going to tape the, um, just go right on with your questions. Uh, let's say we do, I'll, I'll time eight minutes in the first segment, then 10, and then six, and then you and I'll tape an intro later, and Rascal will put That's it on. Right. Okay. Okay. Tape. Welcome back to CEO Coach James. We're delighted that you've come to speak with us again. Uh, last time we talked about all kinds of things around what entrepreneurs can expect as they begin to work with venture capitalists in general and with you in particular. So I was thinking today we would dive right into some more questions. Uh, that working for you? Sounds fantastic. Thanks. Okay, so here we go. When you have uh, that first interview with uh, a company, you said, you know, the big signal to the entrepreneur is that they are introduced to your partners. You will take lots of time and meet lots of entrepreneurs, and you're the first line of defense, if you will, but you're going to be mindful of the time of your business partners. So once you've done such a thing and, and the entrepreneur goes, okay, they're serious, what is the first thing that would be on your mind if you were on the entrepreneur's side? What do you do? Suddenly, James has said he's going to introduce me to his partners. Uh-oh, they're really interested. What do I need to get prepared? Well, it, it, the, the hope would be that um, you know, you'd be telling the same story um, that, uh, that you gave to whoever your first point, point of contact is with a venture firm. Um, so because you know, one thing that, uh, you know, that often happens is you know, venture capitalists, I like to say, um, you know, they, they really only work one day a week and it's Monday. Um, and that's generally the day that, that venture capital firms have their, what are called their partner meetings. And so that's when everybody gets together um, and, and, and will really kind of introduce new ideas. Um, and so as a founder coming in, 
you can expect that um, that what you're working on will be will have been introduced to the other partners, but they won't have the same depth of understanding that whoever's running point on that investment will have. So don't assume any kind of institutional knowledge unless you're told otherwise. And so tell the story from you know from the top in the same way that uh, that you gave it to me or whoever your first point of contact is. Okay, so um, just being prepared to repeat, that's perfectly fine. But as an entrepreneur on my side, I would be thinking things like, well, gosh, what will I need in terms of my financial papers, my formation papers? Well, I need to, I don't know, uh, talk about the operations of the company, all of those things. What happens if these guys are really interested? What comes next? So let's yeah. talk about that due diligence process. What's required? What do companies better have in shape before they say hello? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the the short answer is what's required, everything. So you're going to get asked every question regardless of whether or not you're prepared for it. Um, and and, uh, and and you're gonna need to know um, you know each uh, aspect of, uh, of of your business. Um, now, in truth, of course, you know we're dealing with early stage companies. Um, and so the 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 five year forecast that they put in front of us, nobody believes it. Um, right. <laughs> I so, agree. And so really all we're looking for is, um, you know, is some thoughtful commentary around how you plan to build the business. Um, we know that you're going to be wrong and, and, and you should know that you're going to be wrong. Um, most likely to the downside, but you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes people underestimate. Um, but, uh, everybody just wants to see that, that, that you can be thoughtful around, managing burn, about when you're going to go to revenue, about how you're going to go uh, uh, to market and, and, and actually find customers. Um, and so that's, that's, that's everything in terms of sort of the finance side. Um, but, you know, as a, as, as a founding team, um, you need to have somebody running each one of the functions of the business. And so, uh, you know, you should be expected to talk about your product roadmap. You should be able to talk about your, uh, your go-to-market strategy. Um, and, uh, you know, as well as how you plan to, to, to build and, and grow the team. I would agree on, on all those fronts. Uh, making sure that you have a full team, I think, is an important element. Uh, I hear from many folks who are single founders and they really don't have a full team in place. And so I keep telling them you're really not venture ready until you have a team. Um, and uh, maybe you can have somebody sitting in the wings who says, that, you know, once there's some money, I can come on board. Uh, but you'd better be able to address all of those subjects. So the first tip I think, folks, if you're listening is uh, make sure you have a clear go-to-market strategy, expansion strategy, product roadmap, and, of course, assigning uh, to the team members who's going to manage what so that they become their subject matter experts. Um, so when you get into a meeting, for example, with Voyager, how many folks are likely to be in that room? Am I pitching to three 12 something in between so yeah so the, there it's typically in stages and, and this is all dependent on um, of course what the deal dynamics are um, and as a founder you want to create a more uh, a, a sort of hotter deal environment um, because you know as a as a venture investor um, the longer that I wait the the more data that I will have in order to make a decision and so um, if you'll let me I will probably wait uh, forever um, to, to, to invest because I'm getting more and more data. My my perspective on the company is getting better and better. We're deepening our relationship. 
all of those things work um, in my benefit. Um, and, you know, of course, as a, as a founder, you're seeing your, uh, you know, your cash supply, uh, uh, you know, your cash balance decline every month. You want to get a deal done as quickly as you can. Um, and so there needs to be some competitive tension there. Um, and that drives, uh, that drives the deal process typically um, on our end. And, and most VCs, the vast majority would tell you um, that uh, they have a process in place and, and they can't move any, you know, any quicker than this. But of course, if a really hot deal comes along that they want to do, they will move, uh, you know, they will move mountains and move uh, really, really quickly. So that's a preamble to what it, how it typically works. Um, in a perfect world, if I have time to do my work, um, I'll spend, I'll, I'll meet a founder, um, I'll spend time with them, uh, get get a chance to to see them and the team. Uh, often, I like to swing by their uh, their place to visit. Um, I'm not one of those folks that likes to you know kind of sit in the ivory tower and hey, you come to me. I want to see your workspace. I want to meet your team. Um, I want to see you know what the what the culture looks like. Um, and so I like to actually go and, and visit the company. Um, and so if I decide that this is something that I, I want us to take seriously as a firm, um, I will often ask one of my partners, um, to meet them. And, and, and that's part of the, that's kind of twofold. Number one, um, I want to get another person's perspective on it. Hey, what am I missing here? I think this is really interesting. What questions would you ask? Um, and it's also, uh, you know, part of, of, of building a consensus, right? And that's that's part of the dynamics of, of working in a partnership model um, is that you need to build a consensus in order to get a deal done. Um, and so uh-huh. uh, I'm trying to get uh, to the right answer in terms of whether we should make an investment. Um, but I'm also potentially trying to get somebody else excited about the, the, the deal in, in order to serve as a co-sponsor. That makes good sense. Um, so a due diligence can take anything from, you know, three weeks to 30 months, depending on how you let it slide. And it really sounds like it's up to the entrepreneur to push that forward a little. Certainly, they are the ones eager to close. And as you point out, the investor, well, the longer they wait, uh, the shorter the amount of uh, time for return and the more likely they are to be certain that this is the right way to go. So there is that balance between the two. Um we have to so, take a break for our sponsors. I know you've oh, got right. more questions, Jillian. Oh, I, can, yeah. I can hear you inhaling right there. <laughs> so <laughs> after the break, we'll chat more with James Newell of Voyager Capital. This is CEO Coach, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to CEO Coach. We are talking today with James Newell, partner at Voyager Capital in Seattle. James, before the break, uh, Jillian was quizzing you on the process, and you mentioned uh, a whole lot about due diligence and being transparent. I know Jillian has more questions for you on that and many more topics. Absolutely. So uh, a couple of kind of uh, points of uh, business, if you will. Entrepreneurs ask the most uh, you know, detailed questions uh, just to get a sense of comfort. Once you're inside a room, we're talking to somewhere between, say, three and nine people. Um, do you accompany uh, the company with you? Uh, do you go down to the valley and introduce the company to your partners or do they head down on their own? Uh, so we actually do our partner meetings up here. Um, ah. so we have we have folks dial in from the Bay Area, um, and okay. so we're typically typically hosting people in our Seattle office. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but you know uh, you will um, you will almost always um, if I'm if I'm you know quote unquote you know sort of running point on a deal, 
um, I will be uh, the, um, so, you know, try to be a friendly face in the room. Um, I will let them tell the story to my partners who may or may not be hearing it for the first time. Um, and so I try not to, you know, ask too many leading questions. Um, but one thing that, 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 that I typically do is, is, tr is to prepare the entrepreneurs for the types of questions that they will get. And so as a founder, this is something that you should always ask whoever is, is sponsoring your deal Hey, what what are the issues that I should touch on? What should I expect? Um, you know, what what's the dynamic going to be like in the room? Um, and so that can be really helpful to have an understanding of that. That, you know, if if I can if I get asked that question and and I say, you know, look, we you know as a firm we have a a real bias against you know the anything in the ad tech space. And so you know if you know, you're you're you really need to make sure and position your company as marketing tech, not ad tech, because we have a real institutional bias against it. Or, um, mm. you know, hey, we, you know, we really don't like uh, you know companies that sell through a channel versus selling direct to customers. Um, so you're going to need to work around that in the meeting, and you're going to have need to have a really clear, concise. Uh, reasoning for why you sell through the channel. Those sorts of things are uh, are what you should be asking your your deal sponsor before you go in and pitch a partnership. That sounds good. So that kind of leads to my next question. What would scotch a deal? You know, you've expressed interest, you thought it was cool, you got them all the way down to uh, your offices and uh, introduced them remotely at least to the team uh, that will discuss it seriously at Voyager, your colleagues and partners. And now what would screw it up during due diligence? Or maybe you could even probably generically, you know, cover the names and tell us, well, here's an instance where things, you know, really got far down the pike and then whoops, it went sideways because of this. Um, that, it, a, a lot of times those sorts of things, um, tend to, uh, relate to, to founders. Um, and, uh, you know, if the founder, if the founder's a jerk, um, and it doesn't, and it's not somebody you want to work with, uh, that, those, that, those tend to be the ones where, um, people just say, look, you know, this person, you know, is, is going to be too challenging to work with. They're not going to be, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're not, maybe they're not stage appropriate, all of those sorts of things. Um, mm -hmm. that's the easiest, that's probably the easiest way to kill a deal. All right. Um, but you find that out pretty soon, right? Um, you, you, you do, but then of course, in any partnership, you're introducing new, um, you know, new personalities into the relationship that they might not have dealt with before. Well, that's uh, true. And so, and so, you know, that often gets, uh, it gets exposed as does, you know, seeing, seeing a, a, a you know, an entrepreneur, uh, interact with their team. Um, and so you're, 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 you're kind of seeing those sorts of things. And so, um, you know, really finding whether or not this is a, a, a founder or a founding team that you want to work with is, is, um, is, is really important. And, and, you know, a lot of times, um, that is, uh, the easiest thing for somebody to determine in the kind of, you know, two hours, the two hour partner meeting that people, um, who, who aren't doing the intense due diligence, they're not leading the diligence. And so there 
mo- the most of their exposure will be that kind of two hour meeting. And so the impression that they have of the founder, those are made very, very quickly um, and, and do impact uh, the likelihood that a deal is going to get done. How long does due diligence take? In general, what is the average? I know that we talked about the push and give and shove and so on, but yeah. what should one kind of set aside? Say, well, once they've expressed interest and they say, all right, let's get into due diligence, what should one expect? Yeah, so it's it's important to divide diligence into into kind of uh, basically two buckets. There's legal diligence, which yeah. is uh, you know is is actually mainly primarily performed by the lawyers. While they're drafting the docs, they're they're actually going through um, legal diligence as well, and that generally takes a number of weeks, um, and uh, you know, call it two to three weeks, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's really hard to shrink that down because at the same time you're actually often negotiating definitive documentation of the of the, right. of the transaction. So, so you can you can kind of set that aside. Um, the the business diligence is really where uh, VCs spend the vast vast majority of their time. Um, and that can generally take, you know, on average, um, from, you know, first meeting or from kicking off a process, hey, we're raising, um, maybe it's somebody that we already know. Um, I would say probably on average, that's somewhere, you know, three to four weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but again, there's a, there's a major, major uh, dispersion of, 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 of sure. you know, potential times and, Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's going to vary by the stage and style of investing, uh, style of investor um, that, yeah. uh, that you're dealing with. As you get later and later stage, you start dealing with, you know, East Coast private equity types. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're, their goal is to, you know, sign you up to a, uh, you know, to, a, to, to some exclusivity and then start grinding you down on price. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty straightforward. <laughs> yeah. That's why they call them sharks, right? In, in, um, James, would your counsel then, one of the hot tips that maybe we can get in early this time, would your counsel be to an entrepreneur not to give exclusivity at any time until a deal is done? Well, you're not going to, you know, any term sheet is going to have exclusivity attached to it. Um, that's and right. That's, that's kind of the, the, the interesting thing about, um, you know, signing up a term sheet uh, 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 is um, that the only the only parts of it that are actually binding um, are exclusivity and confidentiality. All of the other terms that you're that you're quote that you're quote unquote agreeing to are actually still subject to diligence and subject to change. That's why it's really really important to have an understanding of the reputation of the people that you're dealing with. Um, and so when I talked when when I said earlier about how important it is to do uh, you know diligence on the parties that you're that you're potentially welcoming into your cap table. A big reason for that is you need you want to talk to people who they've done deals with in the past and and whether mm-hmm. or not that they've uh, they've mistreated them. Um, right. It is I'm sure it's tempting for investors to um, you know sign a company up on exclusivity where they have to shut down all of their other conversations, um, take them right to the finish line where you're about to close, and then say hey you know what we're actually not going to do this deal unless we get warrants or mm-hmm. hey you know what. Mm-hmm. We need to cut price by ten percent because, you know, either this happened in the market, or oh well, right. we don't think we're going to make your plan this quarter, or whatever it is. And the company really at that point has very very little recourse because you you can't go back and restart your conversations week w- weeks later because 
um, you're going to have to tell a really, uh, really uh, powerful story about why your prior deal blew up. And truthfully, uh-huh. nobody nobody wants to come in and and fund a company that just had a deal process blow up. Um, and so you can put a, you can put a company in a terrible, terrible position and drive really, really draconian terms if you want to. Now, the reason why people don't do that all the time and that's not common behavior is you'll never work with anybody who hears about that again. And so as an early stage first venture round investor, if I see that kind of behavior, I will never work with that person ever. They will never see another one of my companies. Um, and so yeah. you, you, it needs to be, you know, from a, from a game theory perspective, this is a repeated, uh, this is a repeated game. And so you have to be able to use reputation effects to enforce good behavior, which is why I always tell people work with professionals, work with people who are good, um, uh, you know, who are, who are good citizens and have a good reputation. Such sound advice and your stories of, that you were just telling, uh, they're eerily familiar in my experience. So mm-hmm. uh, we have to take another break now for our sponsors, um, and then we'll come back with a wee bit more from James Newell of Voyager Capital. This is CEO Coach, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to CEO Coach. We've been chatting today with early stage investors, James Newell. And, oh, can I start that again real quick? Welcome back to CEO Coach. We have been chatting today with early stage investor, James Newell. Uh, James, you gave us a couple of hottest tips. Um, Give us a big wrap up one before we let you go. yeah, I would say that um, you know when you're dealing with uh, when you're dealing with a VC, um, they they tend to be working on a bunch of different projects at once. They have their own board responsibilities. That you know companies that are already in their portfolio, they might be out fundraising. They may you know wh- whatever it is, they they may have a lot of stuff going on. Um, and so never be afraid to to check in when you want an update on how the process is going. Um, and so I I always. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always open to, uh, to that when I'm, you know, engaged with somebody, whether it's the due diligence process, whether we've met once, um, you know, if I owe them some sort of feedback or, uh, discussion from, uh, the results of some sort of discussion with my partnership, um, I'm always receptive to, to giving an update. So never be afraid to, to ask for, uh, an update on your venture capitalist side, figure out what next steps are, where they are in the process, um, and what questions uh, they're currently working to solve, because you may have the data that can get somebody across the finish line. Always ask. Keep asking. That's really uh, great advice, and it's been such a delight to have you talk to us for nearly an hour, James. Um, it's so informative. I know that our listeners, most of whom are um, entrepreneurs, um, early stage funders, founders, trying to understand how to work with companies like yours, that this is extremely valuable. Thank you so much for joining Jillian and me today. Thank you so much for having me. Enjoyed it. That's it for this week at CEO Coach. We'd like to thank our producers at Webmaster Radio for their support. You can download these shows at webmasterradio.fm forward slash shows forward slash CEO dash coach iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and many other places around the web. You'll find links and more on Facebook dot com at ceo coach podcast do stop by and hit the like button so we know you were there and tell us what you'd like to hear about on ceo coach 
Thanks for joining us. I'm Ian Kennedy with Jillian Music, and you can find out more about how we help companies to launch, grow, pivot, and thrive at outlinesventure.com. Till next week. Okay, good. Thank okay. you so much, James. You got four minutes to your meeting. How about that? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Okay, um, James, I'll, I'll connect with you about cloud enablers later. I want to know your uh, your thoughts on that matter. Uh, yes. I'm considering also getting involved. So we'll we'll chat later. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. All right. Okay. Bye. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye. Okay. Uh, just, yes. Get the intro in. Yeah. Let's go back and um, do an intro. Um, well, we're going to have to do the uh, one seat challenge. We could do the longer yeah. version of yes. that. Okay, right. let me let me do you want to pull that up? I've got it. You have the longer one? Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, I, I would just chat a longer one, no problem. Okay, I'll bring us in. You do that and then we'll um you introduce or reintroduce uh, James. Okay? Okay. Welcome to CEO Coach. I'm Ann Kennedy, president of Outlines Venture Group and author of Global Search Engine Marketing. I'm here with Jillian Music, my partner at Outlines Venture and co-founder of both Moz and Bread Approved. Together, we are serial entrepreneurs helping online companies launch, grow, pivot, and thrive. Find out more at outlinesventure.com. Hi, Jillian. What's on today? Ah, today we're talking with James Newell again. He's a partner at Venture, uh, Voyager Capital here in Seattle and Portland. And uh, we asked him to join us uh, just last week. And he shared extraordinary amounts of information about the venture capital funding process, what to expect, uh, conversations, uh, how you know their signal when somebody's interested. So if you're, our listeners are listening in today and you haven't heard that first one, go back and find it at uh, the James James Newell show, and today is the second half of that. Right, because there was so much there. He had so much good information, we couldn't squeeze it into one half hour. That's so, right. Before that, let's remind our listeners about the One Seat Challenge. Yes, we are banging the drum on this One Seat Challenge, and we're doing it all of 2017, and I think we're going to keep it up because I'm beginning to see some traction here, and folks are excited about doing this. Now, some of the folks listening in here are also speakers. You speak in your own company, you speak publicly around the world at events, conferences, all kinds of places. And when you do, very few of us are, very, are paid, right? It's very rare that a speaker would get a paid honorarium. But you're providing extraordinary value to the event organizers, right? That's how they charge their folks to attend or whatever it is you're doing for your company. Again, you're providing value. So from now on, we would like you to demand in-kind payment in this form. Take the one-seat challenge. Demand or request that at least one seat be set aside and filled without cost to someone who would ordinarily not have access. So inside your company, this might be someone who doesn't usually get invited to such meetings and events. Uh, I don't know, somebody in an admin pool who doesn't get a chance to go play with the big boys. Go figure it out. Find out who that person would be, who has the capacity to really make value out of this uh, meeting. Sim similarly, if you're at a conference or convention and you're speaking, you're asking that at least one 
seat get filled with somebody who ordinarily wouldn't have access. They can't afford it. Uh, they wouldn't be thinking of it. They're not big enough in the industry, whatever it is. And yes, it includes the cost of lunch if that's the deal, right? Let them put a few bucks on the table. The point is this. There's constantly a lament from major corporations and from startups that there is a pipeline problem. We would hire people of diverse backgrounds, etc., and be inclusive, but we can't find the talent or we can't find the uh, capabilities there, right? It's a pipeline problem. We're helping to solve that. We want to get people who would fill that pipeline to interact with those that matter in places that matter. Until those kinds of conversations happen, those kinds of loose introductions, as you always say, Anne, uh, loose connections are the place where we find the best opportunities, right? We're making sure that more people from diverse backgrounds have connections, those loose connection opportunities in places that matter. So take that one seat challenge. We hope that you'll be successful. Stop by the lake, uh, our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash CEO coach podcast. Hit the like button so we know you're out there, but more importantly, Tell us what happened when you made the request. Hopefully, there was some success. And uh, we're getting a few successful stories. You can also email us at anne, A-N-N-E, at outlinesventure.com or Jillian, G-I-L-L-I-A-N, at outlinesventure.com and tell us how that went for you. Thanks, Jillian. Now, let's get to those questions. More questions for James. Take it away, Jillian. Absolutely. Very excited. Okay. And from there, yeah. it, it works. In. You, you, don't, you might not even need the... Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.